Ladies and gentlemen, this is David Miracatani with Matt Chat. Today I am joined by the head wrestling coach from your Mizzou Tigers, Brian Smith. Coach, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you, David. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. How's uh, Has school started yet down there at Columbia? No, we start Monday. So everybody's just starting to get back into town. So it's good seeing everybody because they've been home for a couple of weeks. We had summer school till the end of July, and they all were here, and then they went home for three weeks. So this is probably just about the quietest time of the year for you after camps and before school. You kind of get a chance to breathe a little bit. A little bit. There's <laughs> always things to do, though. You know this. For sure. You grow up in a family of coaching, and it's just it never ends. It's like I come in and I have this to-do list of two or three things, and it becomes eight to ten things. But it's good. I do get a lot done at this time because nobody walks in my office all the time. But I do miss it. I miss the guys, and I sent them text the other day on the group me i sent a picture of the room and it was empty and i was working out i'm like i miss you guys enjoy your families but i miss you <laughs> well you're extended family to those guys uh, i had exactly yeah i had alex clemson on last year and he uh talked so much about tiger style and i'm i definitely want to get into that with you but he he really stressed um and i think more so from an outsider's point of view because he hasn't been with you guys that long just how much admiration he had for your ability to build, you know, really quality relationships with the young men that you have in your program. Yeah, you know this. Your dad was amazing with that. That It's probably one of the most important things of coaching, especially today with the young kids that are so, they want to know everything, that you got to build a relationship with them because they want to know that stuff. They want to know that you care about them first, and then they'll, then, then they'll run through walls for you. So it's it's an interesting thing just because my dad was that old school coach, and hard nose, and I've had to kind of change a little through the years and change the way it was then to be this different type of coach. And I've been very fortunate to have great mentors. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think sometimes, you know, your guy's losing by one and there's 30 seconds left and he looks in the corner and maybe there's not a move to yell. Sometimes you just got to look at him and just say, you got this, you know, you can handle this. And, you know, whatever that is, that's what has to happen. So. Right. It, it, they have to believe in the preparation. And and I say that all the time. I I don't get up and scream. You may, you may not believe that, but I don't yell a lot from a corner. I truly believe the time has been put in in the practice room and that once they get in that seven minutes, it should be drilled in them and it'll be reaction and it's going to happen because they've been they've done it so much that it's just it's going to be a feel that it just happens. And I kind of think of the semifinal match that LaValle won this year that we had drilled these things and talked about these things and he'd done it in his individual drills. And before the match, we talked about the game plan and he read it right back to me and what he's going to do and what he's going to do. And he's going to believe in this. And I'm not going to ride him. I'm going to cut him and boom, and I'm going to take him down and wear on him. And that's what he did. Yeah. And he stuck with it even when he was down. And uh, so when it happened at the end of the match, I was like, he stuck with the game plan kid. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Those are big moments. And, you know, you get a kid like that to the national finals, and that's not just, you know, that's, you know, change, that's life-changing stuff for him and for the program. So um, I'm always interested when I talk to guys like you to just find out how you got started in wrestling and kind of take me, you know, just, you know, not, not real long, but kind of take me through your wrestling career and, you know, to the end of it to then when you got started in coaching. Well, I started late. I, I actually hated wrestling because I did it for a couple weeks in fifth and sixth grade when I lived in New York. Okay. And I played CYO basketball, but my dad had me try wrestling one year too for a couple of weeks. They did a program through the Catholic schools and I hated it. 
So I never wanted to do it. I was going to be this mean point guard and a, an option quarterback in football. My dad was a football coach. And so in ninth grade, my football coaches were the head wrestling coach and the freshman basketball coach for the freshman football team. And I went for a drive after my after the season ended for football, where I was the quarterback and played defense and everything. It was a small Catholic school in Orlando at this time that I uh, – my dad said, what are you going to do on Monday? And I said, well, I'm going out for basketball. He gave me this look that, you know, hey, and then he gave me this talk about, Brian, you've seen the Smiths at the reunions and all. When you get together with family, we're not very big. Because that doesn't mean you can't play basketball. But I, he, this is what he said, and I still hate him for it, but I love him for it because it changed my life. He said, wrestling would be good for football. And I loved football at that time. That was my passion. And when he said it, I kind of took a deep breath. It was probably like, ah. And I'm like, all right, I'll wrestle on Monday. And and I did, and that's how I got into it. And after my first year, I still wasn't that into it. I started to realize how good I could be. And then my cousin, Kevin Smith, who grew up in Long Island and wrestled at Smithtown High School and was on you know the same high school program as Spates and a lot of people like that. And made me start coming up for the summer, seven weeks the first summer, learning how to wrestle after my sophomore year and just retrained me and taught me everything from scratch. And every waking moment became wrestling to me. I quit football. My dad just said, hey, if that's what your passion is, go do it. And I could not find enough information. It was everywhere I ran into people. It was Back then it was books and finding a videotape of technique. It just possessed me. I became consumed with wrestling. And it hasn't changed. From that moment on, you know, once I started to learn about it, I just could not get enough of it, And even though I started so late. And, but I'm still the same way. I still want to learn about the sport. And I was just asked that down at the uh, convention because I was doing some of the leadership academy. Sure, yeah. And I've been a mentor now for like eight or nine years in it. And some of the young guys I was mentoring, they were like, why do you do this? And I said, because I'm learning. I said, maybe I'm teaching you guys too, but I continue to learn about the sport and I want to get better. I want to get better at it. I think I've gotten better every year, but I still think Missouri can get better. I can become a better coach. I can help my assistant coaches more. And, and so that's what it's about. And I know my dad was the same way. And I grew up with my dad going to coaches clinics and for football and learning that and just seeing how he loved it and was so passionate about it. And I've kind of taken that on in a different role as a wrestling coach. Yeah, you said so many things there that I got to just tell you quickly. I went out for wrestling in the fourth grade, got killed, quit for three years. Uh, my dad never made me do wrestling. I got to the seventh grade, and he found out I went out for the basketball team. And that's the only time in his life he said, you can't do a sport. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. And he said, we don't play basketball. <laughs> so, <laughs> But one of the things he had taught me, and I think you're saying the same thing, is that to teach, you have to learn something really better than even guys that can do it to be able to teach it. Because we have, you know, you have guys that are great wrestlers that they can't always explain what they did. But to be able to teach something and break it down technique by technique is, you know, I think that's probably one of the advantages you're gaining by continuing to mentor these guys, you know, in the role that you have. Yeah, and coaching is, you know, it's a lot in the room. But today, as a head coach in a Division One school, it's a lot more than just coaching. You know, I speak at different public events probably once a week, doing interviews a couple times a week. So 
one of the things I learned early on as a coach at Missouri that I'm going to have to speak a lot that I had to learn to speak better publicly. Yeah. I had to become a better speech giver. And, and so making it interesting, making people want to want to have me there to speak. <laughs> right. And now I'm speaking at every touchdown club in, in St. Louis and Columbia and Kansas City. Every year I'm on the on the speaking circuit because, you know, because I've, I know how important it is to growing my the sport for wrestling at Mizzou. And yeah. guys have to understand that, that I could be in the room not doing that, but I know I have trust in my assistant that, you know, once a week or whatever it is, or if it's just in the morning driving out there, that's important to the program because it also helps you speak to recruits. It's going to be speaking to parents and understanding, you know, communication is really important. And I think that gets overlooked. You're going to have to speak with your administration and dealing with different things. So it's uh, sometimes that gets overlooked where guys are so focused on the X's and O's of the sport that, believe me, I love it. I love watching film and doing individual drills with the guys. But there's so many other things. Your fundraising is going to be meeting and speaking with people and raising money, whether it's for your RTC or an endowment for your program. That's a constant. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's things that people have to develop that they want to be good at this. And I could be a great wrestler, and which I think I I understand the sport in a great way. But I also know there's so many other important things that you have to do when you're in this role. Yeah, it's it's I you know as somebody who got to coach alongside one of the best that I know, you know, my dad was an unbelievable X and O's guy. But you're right, like that's just a small chunk of it. And if you can't recruit yeah. and you can't fundraise and you can't, you know, be a, an entertaining speaker like you're saying, it's hard to draw people to the program. So when you got done with your wrestling career at Michigan State, how did you end up, where did your coaching career start, and what were the steps along the way to getting the head job at Mizzou? I took a job at Western High School, and it's basically on the west side of Fort Lauderdale. It was called Davie, Florida, but it's a suburb of Western Fort Lauderdale. And it was, uh, my high school coach had just left that school for a brand new school, so he had some decent kids in the program, and Lee Pritz was one of them, yeah. who was a junior that year. And I took it over as this young kid, you know, taking over a head coaching job. <laughs> and they had, I think they had, they hadn't broke the top ten, but they won the regional the year before. So I had some solid kids coming back, but we ended up taking second to Brandon that first year, and I just fell in love with, you know, coaching and thought I was going to do that forever, coaching and you know, teaching history, and I loved it. That was, you know, what my dad did, and I loved teaching. And the second year, we did the same thing. I think we took third or fourth in the state, and a really good team again. And the youth club was growing, which, you know, we really didn't have it. And, uh, I think by the second year, we had 40 or 50 kids in the club, some younger kids. We were going over the elementary and junior highs and recruiting kids and doing little, bringing a piece of mat and showing them, you know, having, having Lee and a couple of the other kids show moves and getting kids to come. So I was loving it and thinking that's all I'm going to do. I was coaching the Florida cadet team, and Jack Spates called me up about kids that are recruitable to Cornell. And I started giving them some names of some good kids, but this kid's bright too. You should look at this kid. And next thing I know, I get a call a few months later, how would you like to be the restricted earnings coach? <laughs> so... It was like a $20,000 cut in pay and leaving Fort Lauderdale for <laughs> Ithaca. I was pretty stupid. <laughs> and I did it. Everybody was well, telling Spates me, don't do that. Spates is a good salesman. I, Jack Spates is a good yes, salesman. He, is. he so. basically, you know, told a kid living in Fort Lauderdale, 
and I was living the life. I just bought a brand new house, a starter home, and I was dating my wife now, Denise, for a year. And I and like, and I picked up and said, "I'm leaving you all by. I'm going to Ithaca to make no money and no benefits." <laughs> and the only person that told me to do it, you know, that was really adamant that I should do it, was my dad. And he coached high school for 40 years or whatever, and he had a lot of friends go on that went on to the NFL, mm-hmm. went on to big-time college, and he said, you know, I never took that chance, and this is an opportunity for you. There's always going to be high school jobs. And I know you think this is the one because you're building this program, but there's always jobs out there. You need to take this chance because right now you are single and you have the time. You don't need the money. You love you're passionate about it and money's not important to you, go do it. And he yeah. gave me that advice and I never looked back. Wow. And I spent five years at Cornell and Jack left after the first year. I got to work <laughs> with him and Rob Cole in my first year of coaching college. And I look back now, I was learning from two of the best in the game, you know, in the sport. And For sure. I just, about recruiting, about speaking in public, about how to run a room, how to just, there was just so many things I learned from those guys. My eyes were like, I was excited. Every day going to work was like, I'm going to learn something new. And uh, I, I still, when I, I was sitting with Jack this year at the convention, you know, I'm still picking his brain. And of course, Rob Cole and I talk all the time. So it's just I, the friendship and the, the way they treated me and let me and helped me just progress as a coach. It was amazing because I just, it was most probably the most enjoyable that first year, but then the next four years with Rob and, you know, he took it over and we were the same age and just, he treated me as a co-head coach. So it just helped me become a name where I got interviews because of that. Rob was really just a great person in that, the way he treated me and respected, you know, my ability. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like, I mean, you can hear the enthusiasm as you talk about that. So after the time there, is that when you ended up at Missouri? Uh, Syracuse. Syracuse, that's I had interviewed, Syracuse was like my ninth interview, and I had gotten a few jobs and turned a few down, but just, I, uh, got the job at, I got one job and took it for a week and never signed a contract. (laughs) Ended up calling (laughs) Rob and saying, I'm coming back. And then the next year, Syracuse opened after it had dropped, and they said, we're going to give it four years to raise $2 million, and really probably nobody applied for the job but me. I just said, oh take the interview and see and I went up there and thought man this is just a great school great facilities everything I think I can do this and I went and did it that first year I you know we recruited 10 kids to come in and I almost felt bad because there was only three years left but fundraising and doing we had uh, a fundraiser at the tavern on the green and raised a lot of money wow but I just could sense there was a lot of animosity between the boosters and the administration, and that just they couldn't get past. They just didn't like each other. And I was this guy coming in, this new guy trying to get everybody together and say, "Let's save this thing." And I just felt like it just wasn't going to happen. And I was offered a interview at Missouri, and I just had to take it and went down there and somehow got it. Probably got it because they wanted somebody that wanted to fundraise and take no money. I didn't, I didn't even know I got offered for a salary. And my <laughs> wife asked me when I got back, I said, I don't know, but we're, if we get the job, we're taking it. And when we got offered, we got it. And it was probably for less money than I was making at Syracuse, but I didn't care. I, you know, we moved the family out here and never looked back and we're starting year 20 and loving it. Love the state of Missouri. Just my family can't, you know, everybody's here still in Columbia. My Both my kids are going to 
graduate from Mizzou. You know, my two older kids are seniors at Mizzou this year, and my youngest is still in high school. Love the community. Yeah. My wife has been teaching phys ed now for this is her 12th year at the Catholic school, and the community has just embraced us, and we embrace it back. It's just You've been out to Columbia. It's a pretty cool place. It is. I, I have good memories there because that's where they hold the state tournament. You know, so of course. yeah. So you know, that's you know, it's a hundred years ago now for me. But um, I do. I remember when you were hired because you know my dad was coaching yep. Merrimack, and you know we really hadn't been able to send a lot of guys to Mizzou. You know, before then, and I remember you know you reaching out to my father and and. And that whole thing. But I, what I really remember was that, and I'm just saying this, it's easy to say this now because you've, in my opinion, you you are the best program builder in the country. Because I know where Mizzou was. When I was a senior in high school, I didn't even take an official recruiting trip there, and I was ranked top four in the country in my weight class. I didn't want to waste a trip there. That's how bad it was. And yeah. you, there were guys like Terry Brands and Ed Bannock and a lot of other, you know, quote, bigger names what was the reception like from the community? Like, I mean, I, I don't mean this to sound negatively, but I had to think some people were probably disappointed that you were hired instead of some of those guys. You know, it was a tough, that, that first couple of years was tough because and it, even the first week I got a, some kind of facts, but just the guy that hired me, Peter Fields, brought it up to me, one of the administrators, and said, hey, here's some reasons why you should be fired. I'm like, it's my first week. <laughs> Second like David Letterman. Man, this is, this is a tough state. You really got to. This is definitely the show me state. They yeah. want to know. They wanted results in five days or whatever it was. But there were a lot of negative things and people against it. But you know, I I looked at it. There were so many things that I could have looked at with besides the support and because there were some good people throughout the state. And your dad being one of them. Every year at the tournament, I'd be standing with him, and he'd be like, Brian, I see progress with your kids. They're fighting harder. Simple things like that I remember. Mike Jeffries from Helias, yeah. always still my good friend, yeah. saying you're doing the right thing. Stick with the process. Don't worry about what people say. Uh, John Smith, yeah. after my first year in the Big 12, saying Mizzou needs a kid at the Nationals. Let's give him one of the wild cards because it's important to this program right now. He's going to build it. And I'll, I don't forget those things as a as an older coach now, you know, a guy with 20 years of, you know, just at one school and seeing younger coaches I make it a point when I see a guy working hard and changing a culture to say it to him yeah. because I know that meant a lot when your dad said it to me, when John said it to me, or some of these other, you know, Mike Jeffrey. So, yeah. But it's hard. It was hard. And it's hard because, you know, your family's hearing it, your wife is hearing it, and, but you have to look at what you do have. And what I did have is I had some young, hardworking assistants in Bart Horton and Lee Pritz who just came and were making no money. I remember we were making the team, the three of us, we made no money, but we didn't care. And we, to us, it was like this was a journey we're going to go on, and we don't care where it's just going to take us, but we're going to work really hard, and things are going to change. And it did, and it did. I mean, that we didn't have a first recruiting class because I didn't get the job till the end of April. April 30 was when I was hired, so everybody was already coming, but that was Mark Bader and a couple other guys, so it's Kevin Heron who I didn't recruit, but great kids that, you know, battled for the program in the early years. But that second year, we landed Jeremy Spates and Kenny Burleson and J.P. Reese. And that class kind of became, to me, it's, you know, when you walk by a building and you see the year that that building was built, that's how I look at those three. 
Yeah. And I looked at those three, and they came in from different places and committed to being in this program and start and be with this crazy young coach. Those guys committed, and those were the guys that, you know, influenced. And, so, and same with Mark Bader. When you look back and hear Ben Askren committing to the University of Missouri, those were the guys that were the elder leaders of the program convincing these young guys to come to the program because it is changing, the culture's changing, and they could sense it. So when I look at back at Jeremy Spates and Kenny Burleson, J.P. Reese and Mark Bader, those are the guys that convinced the Ben Askrens and people to come and Tyron Woodley's to come, and which changed the whole program. Yeah, I, I, and, I, and you know, it's like you're reading from my script because I was going to ask you about who some of the guys were instrumental, and I kind of guessed some of those guys because I actually watched your program progress. And, you know, but getting, like, I remember, like, a Burleson who was a really, he's a tough kid. I think he was a two timer somewhere out of the middle of the state, but, you know, wasn't like, he wasn't like a, you know, top 100 recruit in the country, but just got better and better and better. And he was a guy that, you know, fraudulent from the outside. I'm like, if he's down by three going in the third period, that guy's probably going to find a way to win. I mean, I think you can agree. We've kind of made a living with those kids. And oh, I think of Michael sure. Chandler, who didn't win yeah. a state title, but yeah. cried in a hallway because he wanted to go go to Mizzou. And I heard that story, and I'd seen him at camps and had recruited him a little, and that made me want to recruit him more. And here he comes in and becomes an All-American for us. We Kenny recruited Burleson the hell out of Mike Chandler, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but it's just, you know, but it's just that blue-collar, hard-working yeah. kid that just, wants that and a Missouri kid that wants to be at Missouri and I always say that to coaches sometimes you look at this kid that's the superstar but you might be a second or third choice find the kid that really wants to be there because that kid's gonna work his ass off for you every day he's gonna believe in the program more and I and those are the kids the reason we got Ben Askren was you know we sold him on this vision that we had and so did all those guys I just told you about that were the older guys that saw the program getting better. We could just see it getting better. And, you know, we were competing and starting to upset some teams. And we upset Illinois that one year, yeah. which was my fourth year. We went 18 and three. And that's when people started to see, wow, this team's going to, you know, we're making a change. But then came to Missouri, not because we didn't have a national champ, but not because we hadn't had one, because we, that's the reason he wanted to be here. Because yeah. we hadn't. He wanted, I knew Ben's personality because I talked to him a lot in the recruiting process and his idol was Muhammad Ali. And when you think of that personality, he wants to be the guy out front that everybody looks at. He wants to be outspoken. He and wants I the loved spotlight. It. Yeah, he does not. He wants of the it. spotlight. Yeah. And I remember sending him personal letters all the time, you know, little notes all the time. And I'd always put a Muhammad Ali quote at the bottom. And he loved that stuff. And I told him, you're going to be the first national champ at Missouri. He loved that. And there were other coaches negative recruiting us telling him, you can't go there. It's never going to happen. Yeah. And that personality was like turned off by that. And, and that hurt those schools. And it really helped us more because then Ben, of course, said, I'm coming. And one of my buddies up the road is going to come too, Matt Powell. Yeah. And he brought him with him. And that was the same class. So it just, it just really helped that that culture wanted to win so bad, that group of people, that when it started to happen, it just took off, and it just was contagious, and more kids wanted to come. Yeah, it's interesting, because when you guys were recruiting him, you know, I know you know that, you know, Coach Pritz and I are good friends, and, he, you know, yep. he was telling me, you know, you know, we'd sit around telling stories, and he's like, 
you know, it was down to us and one other school, and the other school said, you know, don't go to Mizzou. They've never had a national champion. He goes, that was the best thing that guy could have said to Ben. He goes, it's the truth. He goes, he goes, and you know, he goes, not only did it help us, but it proved to Ben that that coach really hadn't taken the time to get to know him. Because if he knew him at all, that's the one thing he wouldn't say to him. So, right. you know, to me, you know, Ben, like I watch programs, you know, I'm kind of a numbers nerd and stuff like that. I think you know that about me. When I see programs get built, I think the way they have to get built is you have to get a bunch of pretty good guys and you can have, you can have a good dual meet team first, you know, where, you can have, you know, like a lot of guys that can go two and two at nationals, but you might have maybe the eighth best, seventh best, fifth best dual meet team in the country. And then eventually by doing that, it helps you attract the talent you need to get guys, you know, where you have to wear a suit on Saturday night. And when yep. and Ben and Mark Ellis, you know, those guys to me, I know there's a lot of other guys that laid the ground work, like you said, like Chandler and Burleson and Woodley and, and JP and all those other guys, but when people started seeing a Mizzou singlet on Saturday night, to me, that's just a pivotal point. How much of that really made recruiting maybe a little bit easier for you guys? Well, not only recruiting, because you can say, wow, we had a, we, we've had a national champ, and now he won it twice, and he won the Hodge twice. Right. And then you also say, you know, a year later, he's on the Olympic team. Because that was the other take. You don't go there. You can't make Olympic teams. And now we've had two in the last three Olympics, right. two Olympians. So it's just there's not much you can say anymore about Mizzou. But back then there were. Right. But I also think it's in the room, the culture in the room. It's just when I first got here, there weren't all Ameri- there weren't consistent. You know, Mike Harp was the year before I got there. Mike was in the room with us the first year, but it just wasn't that consistent. It was one year or maybe two in a year. And it was just, and some years none. And the first couple of years, we just didn't have any. And that I think it was in the fourth or fifth year, we got a couple with, I think, Barker and Woodley. And, and it just started to change. Once we got two, it was like, okay, we can get two. Then we started getting three. And then we had some four. Now we've had three times where we've had five All-Americans. I remember going into last season saying, I'm so tired of just having one guy in the finals. <laughs> and I'm like, we've got to push more through. That's got to be a mentality. we got to get more than one guy in the finals because we keep getting these five All-Americans and we're not getting a team trophy. Of course, we get three in the finals and we don't get a team trophy. I'm like, gosh, in any other year. <laughs> but it's right. just so deep yeah. now with some of these teams. But, you know, I look back at our kids perform. They perform. So how can you get upset with your team? They, they laid it on the line. They won big matches. They battled for me. And that's all you can ask. And but it's, it changes the culture. Now we've had three, so now we got to change it. Now we got to have more than one champion. We've never had one, more than one champion on Saturday night. So it's kind of that, that's another thing, another stepping stone. Just keep going. Right. And obviously those goals, you know, become more attainable in people's minds as you continue to walk up those steps. So. Yep. They see it. Yeah, exactly. I think I'm probably more familiar with your program than just about anybody else's, you know, just. I'd say purely on geography reasons. So Right, we see each other a lot too. For sure, yeah. So when I look at your recruiting process and the results you've had in general, obviously in the past few years you guys have gotten a lot more blue chip kids. You know, a lot of the kids who wrestled in Missouri border brawl this time and last time we're going to Missouri. But for years, and you know, we kind of touched on this, you guys have done a great job having some success with what I would call B-level recruits. And I don't mean that as an insult, but just – 
you know, they're not, they're not Mark Hall. They're not Dayton Fix. They're not Spencer Lee. But these under the radar guys that most people, you know, really didn't think were going to be very good. You know, like guys, like when I watched Le'Veon Mays wrestle in the All-Star meet, cause I coached that meet, or like a kid like Cameron Caffey who's going to Michigan State, you found those guys. You found a lot of those guys, like Chandler. Chandler's another one. Yeah. You know? So you're clearly looking for something specific in these guys and finding them. So, I mean, I know you don't want to give away the secret sauce, but what exactly are you looking for in these? But it's not a, I, you know, I, Drake Hodeschalt was not a big recruit. He was overlooked by a lot of people. I think a lot of people. He was really underrated. Yeah. I looked at him and said, there were a lot of kids coming out of the state of Missouri at that time. And I remember saying, I think Drake Hodeschalt's going to be the best college wrestler of all of them. Right. And that's not a lie. I remember going back and telling my coach, because that's the first kid we offer. Right. And he committed to us right away. And I just said, he loves to wrestle and he goes a hundred miles an hour. He's going to be successful. And I, I got lucky on that one. And I was right. But I've been, you know, Michael Chandler had the same kind of, kind of motor that you're looking for that, that a kid that just loves to wrestle hard. And that's the type, you know, Joey LaValle, the first time I saw him on film, I was like, I want to get this kid. I know he's all the way out there in Reno, but if we have a chance to get him, I want to get him. This kid wrestles so hard. And, and so there's something to do with that. But also, I we have long conversations, not long, you know, just a lot of conversations with these kids about what Tiger style is. And it's not a style of wrestling. It's a lifestyle that we expect from our guys. And it's just, and I go through that whole process, and so do my assistants. And everybody associated with the program buys into it, or they're not a part of the program. And from my weight coach to my academic advisor to my administrators, all know what it is. And they talk about it to them. So they're going to hear about this constantly. And if they don't like something about it, they won't come. But if they really do buy into it and enjoy what they're hearing and want to be a part of this culture, they're going to want want to be a part of it and want to be a part of Tiger Style. When I say that, that's competing in everything in their life and doing the extra things like, you know, our team led the University of Missouri two years ago in community service and things like that. They buy into that if you're a better person, you probably are going to be better at wrestling too. So some kids don't want that, but I'm finding kids, the kids that are in our program, they really buy into that. And that's why we have an easier time coaching them and having them, you know, reach the next level of maybe wrestling. They might be the 100th recruit or 150th, but they jump up because they live their lives right and they're doing the right thing. So that's what we're looking for. It's, I don't think it's a secret. I think other coaches do that too, but we've just had a lot of success with it. and It's very fortunate. No, but I mean, as a guy who recruited a lot and in junior college, you kind of have to hold your nose a little bit more on some things than you do in division one. It sounds like you're really using your, your pillars of philosophy from tiger style and, really probably weeding some kids out early because you just yeah. know they're not going to fit in your program that other programs will take on because maybe they're just not as committed 100% to these yeah. to these philosophies that you guys have. You know what I'm really proud of, David? When I think of this year, that some of the guys in the lineup, I think of, you know, Willie Nicholas got hurt, but he's also been – you know, he's a couple-time All-American already, but he's also been the president of the Student Athlete Advisory Committee, the SAC. You know, so he's he is the liaison between the AD and the 500 student athletes at Missouri for the last two and a half years. So that's something special that um, these are these aren't just guys on my team; these are my top guys. 
Jaden Cox, I, you know, I could tell you about 20 things that make <laughs> Jaden special. But what he did for the university when it was struggling a little with different things going on, right. and he was the person they could push forward and say, look at this kid, singing the national anthem, uh, going, brings his medal back, and the first place he goes to is to a, to a sign language class, you know, and, yeah. and shows the kids there. I mean, he's just a special young man. And then you got LeVon Mays, who's here he is. You know, he's an engineering student and graduating with an engineering degree. Daniel Lewis, same thing. When he committed to me, you know, he was off the charts bright, but also a great wrestler. And I told him about Tiger Style. And I remember reading the Kansas City Journal and it said, I'm going to Mizzou because I love the culture of the Tiger Style. And, you know, Daniel's in, I did some camps. We, we were, did a camp on the road this year with Daniel and he studied for two and three hours a night in the middle of the summer with an engineering class he was taking this summer and just was so disciplined with that. But I see that translate into great wrestling too, because the kid is a very disciplined kid and that's why he chose Missouri and that's why he sits in with us. Yeah. Yeah. You can see that for sure that those guys are making that commitment. And, you know, like I said, coach Clemson is, you know, I think what happens is as an assistant coach for a long time, it's really easy to enforce stuff if you believe what the head coach is doing. And in my case, it was super easy because it's my father. But, yeah. you know, when when you guys, when you, you're the one that created Tiger Style. And, you know, these coaches, I assume when you bring them in, you know, you talk to them, this is how we're going to run the program. And you can tell they either buy in immediately or they don't. But those guys, I know, are then just multiple levels of enforcing this philosophy that you guys have had so much success with with your kids. But that's, you know, this, this is any organization. If it's successful, there's the purpose. And if everybody buys into that purpose and the belief of what the company or what the industry, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, people that work for Apple and Google, they have this like image that this is great and we're forward thinking and all this kind of stuff. And people want to be a part of it. And that's what you, because there's a purpose there of what they're trying to do. And there's a belief in something that's, it's more than just themselves. It's for, you know, you're in Tiger style, you're doing it for, there's, there's a legacy behind this now. There's people from the past that you're looking up on the wall. You're not just doing this for Daniel Lewis or doing this for Brian Smith. There's other people that have helped build this program and and built the framework of it. And it's been special that we've got to honor that and we've got to keep doing that. And so that's important. And I do some crazy things like that with my team. I make them read a book a year as a team. We pick one book out in the spring and we read. And it's awesome because the guys – discuss it and go through things and we grow as a team, you know, on the other side of the mat, which is the mental side. It's fun stuff like that. And then I hear guys say, Hey, I read another book this week. So I was reading another book. And so I'm still, that's still the teacher in me. Yeah. I think, you know, yeah. it's important to me that they, they, these guys are getting, cause you know, this having your father was amazing that there's more to coaching than just the X's and O's that you're, you're developing young men into future people in our society and we can make a huge impact. I think coaches can make a huge impact on young men's lives and, and it's an important role that we play. So I do, I do take it like it is, it is the most important thing I can do all day besides when I go home and I'm with my real family. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, another relationship that I think maybe a lot of people may not be quite as aware of is the long-term relationship you've had with Mike Ironman. You know, they, oh, yeah. and he's been in Columbia for a long time. I know he had a lot to do with training with Ben Askren. 
and, you know, his style and success. And I think most people know Mike has coached Jaden since he was a kid. And obviously the other Jaden, Jaden Ironman is on your team. It was an all American yeah. for you guys this season. You know, tell me about that relationship. And I know Mike looks at wrestling in a very unique way. What kind of value has he, he brought to your program? He's been, you know, the last, probably the last four or three or four years, he's kind of run our freestyle club. So it's been great. And Mike's, been in the community. He coached on our staff before he started his club. He was like our volunteer coach when Ben was a freshman and a sophomore for a couple of years. But then he started his club and just got busy with that. So it's, he's, he's very unique in the way he, you know, it's, but he also, we work great together. So it's, uh, you know, it's just, it's an interesting relationship because now he's a dad. <laughs> so it's it's kind of how it's you know he was before it was just coach and coach and now he's a dad and just seeing him up in the stand squirming with Jaden when Jaden's you know Jaden Ironman his son now is wrestling but yeah. he's handled it great like uh, I remember one time this season when we were going through the weight problems and he's like I trust you coach I got I'm staying away from this you're gonna see me disappear <laughs> and he really did and it, and it was helpful it was really great because Jaden got into the room and. And I'm like, and I don't want Mike to disappear from him because Mike has had such an unbelievable impact on him. And it was the same thing with Jaden Cox when Jaden said, man, I, I want to be able to, you know, go to go see Mike once in a while. Work. I'm like, that's great. Right. I said, everybody should have that. That's, yeah. that's, I said, I still talk to my high school coach and I still pick his brain. I used to have him come to camp. I said, that's a relationship that I don't want to take away from you, that Mike has been unbelievable for you you wouldn't be where you are today if you didn't have that so that's what's been great that you know we keep getting kids from mike's club and he's kicking on you know every year i see a couple more kids coming and a couple more kids coming yeah and they want to come to mizzou which is great for us yeah for sure i mean i had uh it was Jaden clayton at the time in the missouri border brawl yes. when he was wrestling uh kate brock wrestle kate brock and you know we made that the feature match and you know, I was, I'm not on, I'm too old for Twitter, but I was on Facebook and I'm watching what both sides are posting and I'm watching <laughs> what Mike Ironman is posting and I'm like, good Lord, this kid is coming ready to wrestle. I know that. <laughs> and Mike, yeah. Mike was sitting in the front row and he says to me, he goes, this is the coolest venue I've ever been in for a wrestling match. I said, yeah, I and mean, you can talk a hotel into doing it. It turns out okay. So the, the great thing of Mike, all the kids I've had from this club and, and Mike too is just, they love the sport. There's a way that they wrestle that they enjoy it. And it's, I don't know how another way to explain it, but it's just, you see it in Jaden Cox, you see it in Jaden Ironman, and I see it in some of the guys that are coming up now. They really, really enjoy wrestling. And for a young, you know, a coach that's, you know, influencing young kids to really enjoy it, where sometimes you can see youth kids and they're just tired of the sport. Right, yeah. Because they're being run in the ground. Mike makes the sport fun. And that's an important quality that he has as a coach. That's, you know, what makes him special. Yeah, I, I, he does make it fun, and all those guys talk about that, and I think that's that's super important. Now, we've talked a little bit about – well, we've talked about all these guys, like Tyron Woodley, Ben Askren, Mike Chandler. Those are three examples of guys that are having a ton of success in the MMA world. And, you know, I know there's been other guys that have come out of your program, EJ Brooks, guys like that. What do yeah. you, What do you think – you guys are doing at Mizzou that's leading to these guys having so much success in MMA? I laugh, David, because I hate the MMA. 
You hate MMA? The only time really? I watch it. Oh, I do. I'm not a big fan of it. And you just watch when I, your guys I'm not are fighting. Like I, I just, I, you know what it is? I, these are kids. I, I, I always say this to the guys. I, when I'm coaching you, I feel like you, that you're going to become my son. And, and I'm going to be a second father to you or whatever it may be. And I care about them. And, and when I see them out there fighting, it's just like, oh, man, with the kicks and the blows to the face. that I'm looking at, man, you got your degree. You got a degree, and you're going to do that. So I'm more of like the dad saying, "No, don't do that." So <laughs> that's what I mean by that. I'm not like anti MMA. I'm looking at this is my son. I helped you get through college, and now you want to do that. But I look at how much how much success they're having. Yeah. That part, and when I they all come back and talk to the team constantly, and they always say that what they've learned in the wrestling room and what they've learned from Tiger Style to how to live their lives and it's just an important thing, but wrestling obviously creates great MMA guys because of the discipline. I think wrestling is one of the, it's probably one of the harder ones because of the way we train kids in college, the, the, just the hard training we put them through that I think the other discipline, the other combative disciplines don't train like that. They don't. And it's not to put boxing or other ones down, but wrestling is very, very tough. The way we do some of the training in college and in high school that I think that discipline carries over, and that's why the, and this is my opinion, of why the success is happening with wrestling, because they're willing to learn the other disciplines to the highest level. They're willing to put the time in and put a lot of time in and work really hard, where a lot of guys get in that older age and get away from the coaches and stop training as hard. Where I look at these guys, and Michael Chandler will come back to the room, and he's like, oh, I remember one day he was working out with LaValley a year or so ago, and he's like, man, I needed that. I needed to get back and work really hard like that. And just the excitement that he gets when he comes back. The same with Woodley. Woodley's come back a bunch of times. Ben comes back a few times a year that they come back, and they, they're there to help themselves, but they do so much for our program because all our young guys seeing them in there and how they're training and doing things and talking with them. It's, we've been blessed, but I do know they have a lot of success, but it's not from me pushing them towards it, I tell you that. <laughs> no, but I think, you know, like my dad's an eight-degree black belt in four different martial arts, and yes. he always calls wrestling America's martial art, and one of the things he says is that in wrestling, when if you're a good wrestler in a fight, you can decide if you want to keep the fight standing or not, and, you know, along with, you know, those skills – Along with, like you said, the training, like if you, if you're doing Muay Thai or boxing, you can't just punch each other in the face every day, but wrestling every day, if you and I are wrestling, we're going to go live at least X amount yeah. of minutes almost every day. And just the grind of if you're better than me, just in folk style wrestling, folk style and Greco are really better for MMA because free, you know, you have to learn how to hold a guy down and in freestyle, that's really not that important. And the stance right. is so much difference too. So I think. If anything, a specific thing that I think Mizzou does well for fighting is you guys are good mat wrestlers. You're good on mat returns, good on riding hard. And I think in fighting, you can control a guy. You're probably going to win the fight most of the time. Yep, I agree. I agree. Well, you've talked about Jaden Cox. And to me, he was kind of, you know, Ben Askren 2.0. You know, went from a two-time national champ to a three-time national champ. Went from an Olympian to, an, to a medalist. And... And, you know, I know Jaden's family a little bit. I recruited Dre, you know, back when he was coming out of high school. I went down and, and met with him and Kathy. And, you know, Jaden is an unbelievable person and really, you know, an ambassador of the sport. You know, there's a lot of speculation that when he got done graduating, he might go to a different RTC or leave Missouri. How important was it for you to keep him on the staff? 
and what type of impact from your perspective has he had and will continue to have on your program? Well, he's had unbelievable impact, but not only on our wrestling program, but on the university and the community and the state. You know, I just look at so many young kids in the state of Missouri wrestling wise that want to be a Jaden Cox and the community of Columbia, how they've embraced him. And, you know, he's been a hometown hero forever. So to get Jaden out of Columbia, I knew it was going to be hard, but I knew a lot of people would want him out of here. But <laughs> there's so much. He's so tied in and very close with his family. And I've known Jaden since he was four and having Mike Ironman here too, that sometimes the best situation is right here. And, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side, but it's pretty green in Columbia. He's got so many support people and people that care about him. He's had the success that it, it with him, I, I getting him here as a coach, he doesn't think, you know, at first he's like, I don't think I can, no, I'm going to know what to do as a coach. I'm like, just be yourself. Come in the room and enjoy what you do. And I've already seen it. He's been doing some individual drills with guys and teaching them. And the guys are like, oh, that was awesome. Jaden was showing us some stuff. And I'm like, there it is. That's just Jaden being Jaden. And he's special. He's got a unique way of communicating, of living his life and just how he enjoys it. And, and that's, uh, you know, the reason we had to get him into this program, which was many, about six years, five years ago when we were recruiting him, we knew we had to keep this kid home because I knew he was special. Just sure. coach, seeing him wrestle all those years and yeah. coaching him in football, just it's not just his athleticism, just his ability to learn and get better and why, why you know, understanding things and asking why about things and wanting to get better. He's a special, special young man. The crazy thing is that he just keeps getting better in freestyle because he's finally doing this. is the first year he hasn't even gone a year yet of full-time freestyle. Yeah. I can't wait to see that when he finally gets five, a full 12-month cycle of just freestyle. He hasn't even had that yet. That, that's still a year away, but he's going to be amazing because I just know how much he wants to learn and get better at it. Yeah, I, I remember at the trials, you know, if, if you're like, you know, we're all picking guys at different weights, and I picked him, and part of it was a homer, you know, pick, and part of it was, he was the only, part of it is I liked him, and part of it, though, he was the only kid cutting weight. You know, most of those guys were all 74s or 84s blown up, you know, and he was coming right. down. But I, I remember before the dick match, I go, I guarantee you, if he gets taken down, he is not just going to lay down there. You know, he's coming up, and, you know, I saw him do that, and I know that's stuff you guys worked on because you just didn't have a lot of time with him to really work on yep. a lot of the nuances of freestyle. So, um, well, I'd be – Well, that was our game plan. Yeah. We were like, you can't get taken down because you're not very good And through the trials, and after the trials, I don't think he gave up a takedown. You know, in the Olympics, I know he didn't. Right. And it was like, good, because if he probably did, he probably would have got tech fall. But <laughs> – yeah, but, but it was just that's but that's where I've seen his improvement the last month or so, just taking people down and how he's transitioning into gut wrenches and laces. It's just becoming it's a part of his wrestling now. Where last year it was just like, oh man, he just it was thinking about it and you know it was new to him. And not that he hadn't done it in the past, it's just he hadn't been training in it very long, and so it was just new to him. But where now it's just becoming a part of his wrestling. And when things become a part of Jaden's wrestling, that's scary. Right, yeah. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about this upcoming season. I know you guys have Jaden Ironman and Joy LaValle and Daniel Lewis coming back as All-Americans. And I know you got a couple other guys at quality. Willie Nicholas. Well, it's, yeah, that's right. And 
So are those – are you allowed to tell me what weights some of these guys are going to go? Because I'm hearing yeah. Willie's going to go no 87 and Lewis is going to go 74. Yeah. Is that right? And then Connor Flynn will be at 65. Yep, he's a St. Yep. Louis guy, yeah. So um, so tell me about – Had a really good year last year, too. Only had three losses to All-Americans, one of them being Martinez and and uh, a couple of – the kid from Lehigh and the kid from Cornell in some battles. So yeah, he's a tough kid. Yeah. So and you got John Ernesty coming back at 33, and you know it'll be probably Barlow at 25. We have Aaron Acid in the room too, and those two will battle it out. But we'll see. But 33 is Ernesty, 41 is Ironman, 49 will probably be Grant Leith, who has had some injuries and transferred back from Duke, so he's just had a tough, tough couple years, but he's really come into his own now and we're ready for him he was a big recruit coming out of high school so we're hoping it'll you know he looks good it's just we got to get him to the starting line now and that's i'm excited for him this is the first year he's felt like this all summer and feeling good and uh, after so many injuries so we're looking forward to that and of course you have lavalley flynn and then daniel and then 84 there's a bunch of guys so i can't even tell you there's a lot of Talented kids with Wyatt Cohen, who was just in Finland on the world team, the junior world Greco team. You have Canton Marriott out of Park Hill. There's a bunch of guys there. So we'll see what, what we're going to see what's going to happen there. You know, Dylan Wisman's coming off of a surgery, but he's bumping up to 84. So he'll be in there. That weight, there's a lot of talented kids that we'll see what happens. And then you got Willie and Austin Myers, right? Right. Yeah. Yes. So you got, you know, four All-Americans coming back and at least two or three other national qualifiers. So, you know, obviously Penn State, Ohio State, Oklahoma State are really loaded in terms of coming back with talent. And Yeah, I think Michigan, too. Michigan's yeah. got a really good team coming back. Yeah, I would say Michigan and ASU and you guys kind of feel like, and, you know, Iowa's got like three or four studs. You know, what are your guys, I mean, obviously every team wants to win nationals, but what are your goals for the season? The same as always, you know, we want to put people in the national finals. We want to get up on the stage and be one of the top four teams. It's, you know, there's a lot of, I think some of the other goals, you know, we have all these, we have a lot of goals, but one of them, we have to win a national title. We want to do that. That's one of our goals as a program. It's the only trophy that we haven't won. You know, I think we've won every tournament there is in college wrestling from national duels to Midlands to Scuffle to yeah. Uh, Vegas to so it's, clubs, the Max, all that stuff. Yeah. Yes, all of those that we haven't won a tro- we haven't won the first place trophy at the NCAA. So that's you know right now I would I'd be crazy to say Penn State isn't the favorite because they are they're loaded. Sure. But you never know what's going to happen in a season. So what you what we do as a program is worry about what's inside our room and we I think with my I have a really really good coaching staff that develops young men that uh, you know when I say not. Not only on the map, but off the map, but especially on the map. There's, we do a good job. When I see our guys from the first month of when they get here to when they're graduating and where they, how they, how they progress as a wrestler and get better and, and confidence that we're doing a really good job, that that's the most important thing. I can't worry about what Arizona State has coming in and this and that. We just got to coach our guys up and, you know, you hope it lands the right way when you get there in the third weekend of March. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, what you said, if somebody had said to me 20 years ago, 
20 years later, Mizzou will have won every single trophy you can win. They'll put a guy on an Olympic team, two of them, have a bronze medalist, won the Big 12s, won the Max, you know, been in the top four at Nationals. I, I honestly I don't think – I think anybody who said they would believe that would happen would be lying. So I think what you've done is an amazing job, and you haven't – it hasn't been a flash in the pan. It's, you can see – constant growth and improvement and it's a program that's here to stay and it's a program that that through your blood sweat and tears now top level guys do want to go to your program and it's not that it's ever easy but maybe it's a little easier for you to continue to, to raise the bar at missouri so as a as a missourian i'm i'm really really proud that you're running our state's program and, and just want to say thank you for all you've done for our state I, I appreciate that. I really do, David. But, you know, especially a Missourian saying that, that's, that kind of, you know, people say, what, what do you, what do you like to hear? And I love to hear that from people from Missouri, that, that they're proud of the program. I don't care if they say anything about me, but they're proud of the program because it isn't just me. There's so many people that help build this program. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, you're, you're very much like my dad when you deflect, you know, defre- deflect praise and accept all the criticism. But at the end of the day, there is one guy running the program. And, you know, for a lot of years, that was my dad in Merrimack. And for a lot of years, it's been you at Mizzou. So you do deserve the credit. Coach, I appreciate you taking so much time to be on with us today. Uh, I want to wish you the best of luck. Is, is there anything else you want to tell, tell our listeners before we go? Uh, first duel, November 4th. It's uh, against Illinois. It's going to be in our brand-new softball stadium right next to the football stadium in Hearns. And it's the day they play Florida in football, so it'll be an exciting day. So we're, look, we're finally getting that competition going with Illinois again. So we're looking forward to that. That's November 4th. Awesome. If people want to get tickets, where do they go? They will start going on sale the first week of September. So we're going to have our mat side seating being released and then the uh, season tickets too. So that'll all come out the first week of September. I mean, do they It'll just be, go to Mizzou Tigers? MUTigers.com. MUTigers.com. That's the website for the athletic department. It has all the info right on that. All right, Coach. Well, I may pop down there and, and cover that event. So if not, I'm sure I'll see you at the Lindenwood Open. Definitely. We'll see you there, David. Coach, thanks so much for the time, and best of luck this year. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Brian Smith. I'm David Mericatani. Speak to you all next week. is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.